clear your mind and come on this little mental journey with me. I'm clearing it currently. So you're Taylor Swift. You're laying in your tour bus. It's two in the morning. You just got done with like a sold out stadium. Right. You played your show. You're feeling that high. done your tour bus thing and you're hanging out with your fans and friends thing and now you're moving on to the next show right right and you're laying there and you got about 20 minutes in your brain before you fall asleep is she thinking and this is what i always wonder adele is bigger than me (laughs) Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Nate. And we want to welcome you to Don't Feed the Trolls. A podcast where we discuss trending topics, art, and culture. Through the lens of our experiences touring the world and creating art vocationally. We hope to bring topics out of the minefield of the comments sections. And into the sphere of reasonable dialogue. Thank you for listening. And Adele doesn't have to dance on stage. I have to do choreography. Or, I'm Taylor Swift. Ah, I think, you know... I think the human struggle is is both of those things, gratitude and this sense of like not enough, this emptiness, this striving, there's always more. If if you th- if you sit around and think that Taylor Swift is not one of those people that wants to be the best, then you don't understand ambition. The reason she is where she is is because she wants to be the best. She takes it very seriously what she does. And sure. she comes off as unassuming, as modest, and, and humble. And that's why everybody likes her. But if you think for a second that she doesn't work her ass off to be the best and wants to be number one, then you're fooling yourself. But I'm just more interested in, like, does she feel like a success if she can look back and just see the whole world going bonkers over Adele? And not yeah. her for that yeah. split second. Like, does it do something to your mind? <laughs> does it ruin you? Does part of you get broken when you've experienced some success? Right. Do you remember the first time you felt success as an artist? I think I can remember a few times where I felt that. Well, I remember the exact day that I could say, look, we're, we're, we're successful. Really? Yeah. Our drummer kept a log of every show we ever played. And uh, it's actually uh, in my Google Drive. <laughs> and on Friday, October 8th, 2004, we played a show in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and our 125th show wow. as a band. And it was the first time, like, I remember walking in, and there was a sea of people, and we were headlining, and I was thinking, why are we headlining? I don't think we've ever been to Grand Rapids, Michigan before. And they were all there to see us play, and they were singing along, and it was something I never experienced as a band ever before. Wow, and it was in, in Grand Rapids, and you, you guys weren't even signed yet? We had just talked to Militia Group, and then we were signing a Sideshow Records. Oh, wow. But, we, but we'd only had an EP out. We didn't have any, even a full-length album out yet. And what was but, that show like, like on stage? You know, people were like packed in there. It was a sweaty coffee shop, and everyone was singing along. I remember just thinking to myself, this is, this is different than the shows we've played before this. Wow. You know, you know, your first hundred shows, you're just kind of slogging it out, trying to get out there, trying yeah. to get your name out there. Um, sometimes people have success overnight, but for the, for the majority of bands, it doesn't happen that way. But I just remember the exact day, and it's just interesting to look back and go, I don't know if I realized at that point 
that it was success. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I remember, I remember the man management signing with our management. I remember um, then signing to Tooth and Nail Records. I remember those were kind of pivotal moments in our career where we felt like sort of validated. But yeah. I think the biggest, the biggest one was our first record. You know, we were touring around in in a van and trailer, and we were um, one of our one of our songs. The fight was getting taken to active rock radio, which was funny for us because we didn't think that we were an active rock band, but they, yeah. they seemed to think the label seemed to think that it had some potential. So we were invited out to this festival in Indianapolis called X Fest, and it was. Uh, insane. There was like 20,000 people there. We had a police escort, like, because we were running late into the festival. <laughs> um, and uh, Shine Down, Rob Zombie were headlining, Buck Cherry, Alien Ant Farm, Bullet for My Valentine, and 18 Visions, and Us. So, like, we were Crazy. opening, we were opening up. And I remember we were thinking, like, this is it. This is huge. I mean, we looked yeah. out, you know, the stage was massive and <clears throat> it was a sea of it was a sea of 20,000 people. And I remember like like people were like flashing their boobs. It was just like we were just we were just out of our we were just what is going on? And then yeah. we we were we were hanging out with Alien Ant Farm and it was like they were, you know, they, we remembered them from the 90s. They had that song that they covered the the Michael Jackson um smooth yeah. criminal and uh -huh. they um what's that other one it was like uh i want you to be free don't worry yeah. about yeah. me i remember that from high school so anyways we're talking to them and we're, <laughs> we're getting their life story and and like they had gotten in this you know but terrible bus accident where the bus driver died and there was some oh, major injuries in europe and so we were talking to them about that and then we we hung out at the festival with all the radio production people and, you know, watched the whole thing. Then afterwards, we were hanging out with Alien Ant Farm at this bar and we're like swapping numbers and like just hanging out. Yeah. And then the next morning, we wake up in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> we roll out of the van, you know, walk into the Walmart bathroom and start like washing up. And it's like we're just looking at each other like, yep. It's that's the thing is like, what? What is success? It's it's a perception of the public. What what people perceive as success is not often success. We didn't feel successful in that moment. And yeah. you know, as we toured around the country over the next few years, musicians often asked us, "How do you tour? How do you get signed? Yeah. How do you get big?" That's the one thing we've been asked more than anything over the years is like, "Hey, you know, how did you guys start? What did you guys do? How yeah. do we get on tour?" How do we get our songs out there? Right. How do we get a manager? How Hook do we get a up. record deal? Hook us up with your contacts. Help us be like you. And we're like, why? Why do you want to be like us? <laughs> yeah. And then I think maybe it's the highs and the lows, right? You have these highs where one day you're playing for 20,000 people and the next day you're, you're waking up in your van. Yeah. And it's like 1130. You haven't <laughs> slept very well. It's like groggy <laughs> sun heat coming in through the windows. Before we had and bunks in our van too, we had like a futon. We'd taken out the back bunks and put a futon down. So we all just slept there like sardines next to each yeah. other. Oh. <laughs> My wife was next to me, oh, and then on the man. other side of me was my bandmates. I can't believe you were married through all that. That's the craziest <laughs> thing. Like, and that's the thing is like so so. 
people always ask, you know, what do we have to do to be sure. what successful? What and I think mean? that's the problem is <laughs> um, that word is super super relative, and right. I, th- I think it deserves an episode. Absolutely. The question is, if we didn't feel success after experiencing these quote-unquote successful things, yeah. what, what is it? I think it's funny because it's been four or five years, six years after I've kind of done touring. And I'm just now thinking to myself, what we did was successful. You right. know what I mean? It's just dawning on me that right. like, oh yeah, we were successful. I think that one thing that really helped me realize that is when I get the emails now, I point people to this John Mayer YouTube video. Right. right? Where he goes back to Berkeley School of Music, and he's in front of all these people, and he says, look, you have to define your expectations. And that is probably one of the best things I've ever heard. Because, define your aim or purpose, right? Y- yeah. Well, I mean, your aim or purpose, I guess, is, is also your expectations. Right, probably right. The same, the same thing. Yeah. And, but but, but in, some, in some ways, you have to put, like, a number on it, right? Like, what is our expectations? How many records do we want to sell? How many shows do we want to play? How many fans do we want to have? Yeah, right? but that's all external to me. It, to me, like that's not the stuff. I mean, if you want to aim for that and you say, "Okay, I'm ex- I'm successful at this moment," I mean, that's a whole. It's a whole other question of whether or not you'll be happy when you reach that. If those are your goals and you attain them, I sincerely doubt that you will be happy. To quote, well, so what he says is he's got lots of friends who sold millions of records and they're unhappy, super unhappy. Because yeah. they never defined what success was for them. It was just more. Right? Like if I would have started our band and I would have said, hey, if we have a record and it sells 45,000 copies, this is a success. Right. Right? Because guess what happened when we sold 45,000 copies? My brain said, it's not 100,000. Right. It's that just sucks. a little bit more. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just need more. We, we can't sell out a house of blues. We can sell out a chain reaction. Right. Mm. Well, it goes right? back to the whole wealth thing. What did, I think Andrew Carnegie or some... Some rich, wealthy American from back in the day said, was asked, how much is enough money? And he said, a little bit more. And I think we can put that, <laughs> we can put success in that, that same definition. We can, we yeah. can go, um, yeah, if I get here, then I'll be successful. And you get there and you go, well, if I get here, then I'll feel successful. Um, going back to even imposter syndrome. If you're defining your success by external things, by popularity or profit, Chances are you'll never feel it because there's always another level. Interesting. Well, I think I think I think it's different. So it's, on one side of success, you have this quantitative number. You can look at something like here's a goal I want to hit. Like we're going to tour the country by this certain time, right? That's that's a goal, and you can say if we do this, we'll can be, be, we'll, it'll cons, it'll be considered successful, right? Right. But then there's this other idea, like Charles Lindbergh says, success is not measured by what a man accomplishes, but by the opposition he has encountered and the courage with which he has maintained the struggle against overwhelming odds. Right. So it's this internal thing. This right. Like, this like thing that goes on inside your heart and your head. You can't really measure that. Right. There's no... And he says you, it's not measured by what a man accomplishes. So, there, so success can really look like two different things according to who you're talking to. Right. But I think... What's interesting for me, and I think sometimes the numbers are important because if you say success is selling a thousand copies, then you're going to be happy when you sell a thousand copies. Are you? Because you 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 went into it thinking, okay, I'm def- I'm defining what success is. Sure. 
But to, to me, it's still an external definition. It's still it's still going. If some if this thing out here happens, I will be happy in here. And to me, the dichotomy is. It's not happiness. External and internal are totally separate. So when I when I hear John Mayer say, define your expectations, to me, I go, let's set some internal expectations. Let's go, if I have the ability, let's start very basically. And this is something I didn't learn, I didn't set out to to discover. I, I discovered through hardship and pain and and, yeah. and having unmet expectations. But if I have the ability to create and somehow pay the bills on a base level. If I feel like I'm supposed to create, I feel like I'm in my element when I'm creating and writing and performing songs. If I can do that and somehow still live a a normal, average, functional life, then that to me, like I redefine that as success. And so every day I wake up and I do that, I feel fulfilled. I feel successful. But if my if my level of success depends on how many records I'm selling yeah. or how many, you know, it's this external thing, well, then there's really never enough. Because once you hit a goal, yeah. I think you always go, well, what's the next goal? All right, we went gold. Let's go platinum, you know? Well, and, I mean, that's why they're expectations. They're just things you can that can push you to the next level. Right. They're, they're things that can motivate you. And I don't think those things are necessarily bad. No, I don't think but, so either. But I think I think what you're saying uh, is is maybe summed up in this Albert Schweitzer quote where he says, success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. Hmm. If you love what you are doing, you will be successful. And that's the internal versus external thing. And I think Jim Carrey says it too. Um, you know, when he's, he's got that famous quote where he says, I, I, I wish that everybody could attain and achieve all of their goals and all of their desires and all of their dreams for their life so that they realize that it doesn't make you happy. Like, Hmm. so that they're faced and, and to quote Peter Rollins, the, um, Irish philosopher, so that they're faced with (laughs) the abject terror of what achieving your dreams actually is because when you put all your stock in this external success quote unquote yeah and you get there i mean he's peter rollins says that's when that's when you have all these suicides from from yeah up you know upper middle income to wealthy people realizing that they put their whole life stock in this external version of success and when they get there just faced with the abject terror of it all that it that it actually does not fulfill you know your your true desire which is wholeness or completeness huh. or whatever I've often said that I wished people could realize all their dreams and wealth and fame and so that they could see that it's not where you're going to find your sense of completion Forbes wrote an article that said um the biggest cause of failure is success. Huh. And he goes on a point like General Motors, right? For years, they could make whatever car they wanted to make. Right. And they didn't change their, their, their formula. And they were just right. pumping it out. Because, hey, we're successful. We're General Motors. We're selling all these cars. And then all of a sudden, boom. They need yeah. to bail out from the government and they're bankrupt. Yeah, I read a book that the number one, the number one symptom of a company... Um, at a turning point towards failure or its demise is hubris, which is a sense of 
we can do no wrong. We've experienced so much success huh. that we have all this pride about it, and there's really nothing that could hurt us. And when they experience that, like they've done studies where they go back and they see the turning point of that company, be it circuits, they studied like Circuit City. Yeah. Or they studied some other major companies that fell. Blockbuster. Right, over the years. It was a <laughs> level of like, we will always be here, the sense of hubris yeah. or arrogance or pride. We can't be touched. And that is the one distinguishing factor that you can point to when everything started to fall afterwards. It, it makes me think like there was probably some young kid in the, in the, in the meetings at Blockbuster Video back in like right. 1998. Right. And he's like, hey, guys. It's all uh, going to be digital. He's like, um, <laughs> you guys, like all my friends are on the internet. People... <laughs> People aren't going to be going to the store and renting videos anymore. Right. And all the bigwigs are probably like, oh, shut up, Timmy. Right. You're just doing this for college credit, you know? <laughs> and, and like, he had something in his brain. And then, right. what do you know? The Netflix thing is, is creeping over the mountains, you right. know? And that, that and says, that says something, too. It's like, a lot of times, what we're defining success right now in this moment is longevity, ability to adapt and change to new industry climates. Mastery. And yeah, and 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 staying and sustaining a level of staying up to date, being relevant, whatever. And this is a lot of things yeah. that bands often fail to do. Dude, we did this like <laughs> flat out. Like Sherwood got lazy. I can tell you. Like hmm. we had the number one social media site in the world, like communicating to our fans, like with the click of a button. Right. right? How many MySpace and, friends did you have when you were on MySpace Records? Uh, we had a 1.2 million, <laughs> right? If they could all just pitch in a dollar, exactly. you'd be set. <laughs> if 1.2 million of our fans would... So yeah, I mean, it's 2006, 2007. We have 1.2 million friends wow. on MySpace. And part of me is thinking, I don't know if we're there yet. Right. I don't know if we've if this is successful, right? <laughs> But and and this is the thing. So I asked MySpace. I'm like, how many how many uh, music profiles are on MySpace? And they're like, oh, around four to five million. And I said, <laughs> band pages. So there's four to five million band pages, oh, right? Yeah. And we're like one of two bands signed to the label at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I don't know what success is. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to be happy. I don't really know how to appreciate this moment at all. Right. You know what I mean, right. And I think that's probably what happens in these companies is they just there is no level of humility. There was no humility in my heart right then. It was like, okay, right. well, there's the other. There's these other bands that are bigger than us, and we want to be where they are. Um, right. Well, I mean, it's just, it just it, it's it's you experience it when whenever you have like i don't know if you've ever had like a big paycheck cuz we get paid in in lump sums you know and and then there's months where we don't get paid anything but like yeah. there's months where like i'm like i'm feeling the scarcity cuz i have you know 50 bucks left in my account and here come the bills <laughs> you know there's those yeah. months but then after a lump sum comes i have this like oh now i'm set yeah but yeah. like but then i start to see it start to dwindle and literally yeah. the same feeling of scarcity, whether I have 50 bucks or 5000 in my checking account, the same feeling occurs to oh, me. Oh, interesting. It, it's, it's like, it doesn't matter the number. It's just, it yeah. just, it's just a scarcity feeling. It's, it's not enough. Like, here, here we go again. It's all yeah. going to go away. And so I need to make more. And I need to, 
You know, I need yep. to go out there and be more successful. And then maybe when I achieve that new level, of, maybe when I have $50,000 in my checking account, then I'll feel it. But then it'll start going to 49 and 48. Yep. And yep. where's my wife is going to Trader Joe's two times a day. What? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> two times a day. <laughs> But here's the thing, like, and, and it's hard to put yourself in that small brain where, like, there was 4.5 million bands who would have said, oh, we'll give our left testicle to be on MySpace Records yeah. and have a million friends. Sure. Like, like, think about when you just play your first show and you think, oh, man, we just played some songs in front of some people, right? Right. Like, you, like part of you needs to keep that feeling right. in your gut your entire career right gratitude and humility and going wow i get to do this not that this is not enough it's a sense of right now is enough right now is a gift and you have this gratitude and you go i'm on stage right now or i get to do this that i think that i think is the definition of success for me is just owning whatever it is you're doing and being really thankful for it i think the external stuff comes out of that you know, it really comes out of that, flows out of that internal sort of sense of, of thankfulness. So if I'm a listener and I'm starting some new creative project and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not successful. No one knows who I am. No one knows anything about me, right? How do I prepare now in the beginning to say, regardless if this thing blows up or doesn't blow up, right? Because so many factors... Are, are are involved to right. to make something quote unquote successful, but if we're saying, hey, look, you and I have combined sold over a hundred thousand records, maybe even one hundred fifty thousand records. Uh, right? My band sold over a hundred thousand on our own. <clears throat> Sherwood sold over a hundred thousand. In fact, we had a single that sold over a hundred thousand. Yeah, downloads. well, my band sold over a million. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> we've sold a bunch of records. Yeah, and we still feel like ah. Uh, like someone told me we were in the top like that the classic crime was in the top like one or two percent of records sold, you know, as far as all the bands that are out there putting records out. Like the we're top the top one or two percent. Yeah, like we were in the top two percent or something like that, someone said. As far as like just yeah. looking at the quantity of records that we've sold. So there's there are millions and millions of bands, like you said, that were on MySpace that just didn't ever have the opportunity. How would you say, Nate, that like, like when we were talking about, um, you know, being an entrepreneur and adapting to change over time, your band was a MySpace band, right? And MySpace is not really a big thing anymore. It was definitely not the thing that it used to be. Yeah. What happened? Like, got lazy or how? Explain that to me. Well, I mean, I think before MySpace, we were hustling. You were we hustlers. were out there. We were getting on tours. We were selling CDs in the mall. We were getting kids' email addresses. Right. We were talking to bands at shows. We were responding to messages online anywhere mm-hmm. we could. We were we were ready. We were going for it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're sitting there, and Tom from MySpace walks out, and he's like, "Hey, I like your band." And we're like, "Oh, you're actually a real person. We thought you were just, you know, like some sort of fake entity." Right, a, a corporation. You're like, I've had like, you in no. my top eight this whole time. Yeah, he's like, no, I like your band, and we're just like sitting there going, dude, it's Tom, right? <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, he could, he's like, so what do you want to do? And we're like, what do you mean? He's like, 
we can do a lot of things. What do you want to do? I was like, uh, let's send a message to one, like 144 million people on MySpace. And he's like, I don't know if I'm willing to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> he said he, he's like, uh, maybe. They never did that, by the way. And I'm still pissed at MySpace for not doing that, not following through. But anyway, we just, it was all of a sudden we could just te- text Tom, hey, can you send a message out to uh, 1.5 million people? Sure. Right. Boop. Done. Like, what are we going to do that's going to top that? Right. So we started just, you know, you relying on old Uncle Tom. Right. You stopped innovating and you relied on the label to do the work. You stopped being it was, DIY. It was finally your chance to sit back and yep. let someone do the work for you. And let someone else drive our career. And Dr- then we... Right. And unfortunately, you know, MySpace was driving its career off a cliff and we went with it. <laughs> So. I can actually relate to that. The thing that we did for a good portion of those years that we were signed to a label that was under a, a, yeah. a major parent company was we sort of believed that our management, they would say, we're, we'll do this for you and we'll get you here and we'll get you there. And they were blowing a lot of smoke. And I think that's kind of the traditional thing. Like you start treating the artists like they're precious so they can focus on their art or whatever. Yeah, And we started believing that we were special, believing that we were owed certain things believing that we um we deserved it you know and uh and i think over time we Mm. lost control and i think to me success is you know struggling against the system not relying on other people to do things for you but working really really hard and then and then reaping the benefits of that you know against all odds type of thing it's like you know you have to kind of lose it all in order to find it again yeah i think that's true and i think the problem with our band was is that uh we didn't we didn't set out to find happiness. Hmm. Honestly, I think that you know we found ourselves no matter no matter how many hills we climbed climbed over, we just didn't get happy at the on the other side. Right? You know what I mean? We were all in different places. Like every guy in the band had a different definition of what happiness was for him. Right. Right. And that's difficult because it's like there's so many bands. Like I look at a band like OK Go and they make all these crazy videos. I'm like those guys all have to be on the same plane to pull off these crazy elaborate stunts every time. Well, they they all have to say, we want to make viral videos, right? Right. Like, uh, well, just like, like John Mayer says, defining your expectations so that a clear, you know, as a, as a band, they've all clearly defined who they are and what they're doing. Yeah. And we couldn't do that. Yeah. We all wanted something different at sometimes, and sometimes that pushed the boat further, and sometimes it kept us arguing for hours on end about the dumbest stuff ever. And this is what I would tell kids now. When they email me now, I would say, what is happiness to you? To you. What what do you really want to do, and what are you really passionate about? And it's funny. Now that we're doing this podcast, I'm like, you know what's what's interesting is I've been having one-on-one conversations with people for years. Right. I'd call people on, you know, I met on tour. And we would just talk for like an hour. And then I'd call my brother or I'd <laughs> call my good friends. And we would talk for an hour. And my wife's always going, you're just on the phone all the time talking to people. Right. And I'm like, why the hell am I not uh, like talking on the radio or talking to people or like recording this and putting it out there? Right. Because I'm like worried. You actually and, really and I, enjoy it. I love to do it. Right. At some point, members in our band stepped back and they said, you know what? I'm not happy on tour. I don't like it. I don't love to do it. I don't love to do it. And I think at the end of the day, like we didn't set up the, 
we didn't set it up in a way that what that what we were doing when we were out there selling records and playing for fans, it didn't bring happiness. Right. It, it might not have been what we really wanted to do. Right. Isn't that weird? Yeah, and we were all sort of forced into the mold, right? Like we were all set. We all said you got to tour two hundred days out of the year if you want to make it in this business. And what we're what we're finding out now is we can customize our careers, and actually we can if if the goal is to create, then you can always find a way to create. If the goal is to be successful, and you start trend and you you stop trending upwards and you start trending downwards as a band, yeah, then it's over. But if the goal is to simply find a means to create, find a creative outlet. You can do that at any level, especially if you have established a fan base. If it's about that, you can do it. And everybody has to get around, like my band, now we're all around the table going, yeah, we want to make records, one, one every two years, for the rest of our okay. life. Why, why wouldn't we? And that to us is a redefinition so you, yeah. of success. And I think that's hard, that's hard to get to in a group vote. Like, I don't think our band ever <laughs> could agree on anything. Like... <laughs> And and maybe because we were all like you know very independent guys off in college studying everyone had their own major and they were going to school and then all of a sudden we were like in a band together right right and then we had to like kind of come to like a group consensus of what's our goal what's success what's happiness and it had to be something we all could do you you have to move and breathe as one in, in, as a band right you know? right but here's a, here's a question for you so years. Years ago, we were on tour with Reliant K, and we played a venue, and it was a double book show. And in the afternoon, this band, The Wiggles, was playing. Are you familiar with The Wiggles? Uh, are they British? No, they're no. like a kid's band. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They play like kid's music, and if you ever turn on like a kid's radio station, they'll definitely come on. So they were kind of like a failed pop band. Right. And then they started playing kid's music, and then they became like an overnight success. <laughs> and I was, I was thinking to myself, like, how many would you, if you were playing in a successful kids band, would you go crazy or would you just own own it? I mean, it really depends on what your goals are. You know, my kids listen to Casper Baby Pants, which is um, it's the guy from uh, from the Presidents of the USA, the guy from the Presidents. You know, the the nineties band from Seattle. He is uh, a kids kids musician now. He writes kids songs, which is funny because yeah. if you think about it. To me, he always did write kids songs. Millions of peaches, peaches for me. Millions of peaches, <laughs> peaches for free. They come from yeah, a can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, that's a, Seuss. Yeah, that's that's a kids song done to grunge music, <laughs> or some postman is grooving to all our love. Let, let. He's always done that. Interesting. And and to me, like he's finally found the niche that he always was missing. Like he is killing it as Casper Baby Pants. Yeah, he, he is literally like he puts out a record every six months. He's doing Beatle cover albums. My kids love his music, and you know he's at least in his late forties, um, and uh, and finally fi finding that like what success actually means because he was in a huge band in the nineties. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my my thing is like we had the talent to be a successful kids band, right? Like we we've been playing for almost ten years. We hit our ten thousand hours as a, as an artist and group, but none of us would have wanted to do that, right? Because we would have because we would have stepped back and go, oh, it's just like kiddie me. That's like not cool, right? That's not. And my point is is like 
what goes on in the human brain for a group of guys to say, look, we failed as a normal band. Let's own this kids band thing. And they all happen. And they all did it. And they're all like, you know what? We have kids. We really like making them laugh with music or teaching them with music. What's the difference between the snobby Sherwood guys and the Wiggles? What's the difference? <laughs> well, I'm e- asking you. Tell me. What is it? They're maniacal, you know, businessmen trying to make a dollar. But I think with any level of success, there has to be a level of sincerity. The public, like we say, like like John Mayer, like John Mayer says, the public is not dumb. The public is always smarter than you. So you have mm. to really have integrity with what you're doing. And if you can't do kids' music, then you shouldn't do kids' music. You know, but I, my 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 point is is like I don't think they set out to do kids music. No, they sort of they stumbled there. into it. They fell into the hole. Right. And some and 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 as that article that uh, I was reading earlier yeah. about Chrysler and success is often sure. um, leads to failure. You have to be open to change. You have to be open to adapt to certain circumstances. And if you're experiencing failure in one genre and you really feel like a pull to something else then do it. Like, don't be like, no, this has worked. This is, you know, this is what we've always done for money. We're going to do it this way. Making the same record and, and expecting it to sell more than the previous one. I guess for me, success has changed now. Someone that really, I think, has this down is Bill Watterson, Calvin hmm. Hobbes. Yeah, um, yeah. He, despite all the pressure to sell and, and franchise Calvin and Hobbes, uh, merchandise didn't do it, and they estimate he turned down like 1.5 billion dollars because he didn't franchise Calvin and Hobbes. And I think he didn't do that because he fully understood he was successful. He fully understood that, like, no, my art lives better in kids' brains than it does in a movie, and I want it to stay in their brains. And I'm telling you, like, not many things have I read over the years have given me goosebumps. Right. But some of the things I've read about that guy just like maybe go, that's it. Yeah, it's integrity. Like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And did you read that zenpencils.com? Um, he did a little thing about success. I just, a little comic strip. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have it pulled up here and I want to read it because I it. think it's just phenomenal. It says, creating a life that reflects your values and satisfies your soul is a rare achievement. And he shows this guy who's this advertising guy making Jeep commercials at his global advertising, and he's sitting at a desk. And then it shows a bunch of guys with suits on, you know, bumping beer bottles together. And he says, in a culture that relentlessly promotes avarice and excess as the good life. And then it goes on and says, a person happy doing his own work is usually considered an eccentric, if not subversive. Right. A lunatic. And then he gives up. And then he he puts in his letter of resignation. And he says, ambition is only understood if it's to rise to the top of some imaginary ladder of success. Someone who takes an undemanding job because it affords him time to pursue other interests and activities is considered a flake. Right. And it shows him with his wife and she's pregnant and he's building these models. Hmm. And it says, a person who abandons a career in order to stay home and raise children is considered not to be living up to his or her potential. Jeez, yeah. As if a job title and salary are the only sole measure of human worth. Hmm. And you'll be told in a hundred different ways, from some subtle and not so subtle, to keep climbing. And it shows his old boss coming in and handing him a business card. And it says, and never be satisfied with where you are, and who you are, and doing what you're doing. There are a million ways to sell yourself out. Hmm. And I guarantee you'll hear about them. 
tears up the business card from his old boss and takes his daughter up a hill in a in the uh, ever uh, popular wagon. But he says to invent your own life's meaning is not easy, but it's still allowed. And I think you'll be a happier person for the trouble, Bill Watterson. That's beautiful. Didn't that? Yeah, that's just that's, here's a that's creative. My here's a creative guy who has created his own universe, a comic book that's that's influenced and brought joy to so many millions of people and he protects the integrity of that art and that its place in people's minds by not selling out. I mean, everybody respects that. Not everybody can do that, right? I mean, think about it. 1.5 billion to sell and he doesn't want to. Right. Well, you see the guy, I mean, you see the you see the quotes. I, I follow this guy on Twitter who sold uh, Minecraft. He got like 2 billion. Yeah. And then he's on Twitter going, this is not, I'm totally depressed. I'm not happy. It's like, I can't have Crazy. a real relationship with, every, with anybody because everybody is suspect of wanting my money. He's like, I do this, I do that. I'm, I'm in this place and that place, but it's just emptiness. I should have never sold the game. He's like, I should have I kept working, you know? Like, hmm. $2 billion. Yeah, and that goes back to, you know, the lottery episode in some senses. Like, right. you know, when you don't have to work, when you don't have to hustle, when you don't have to create, when you don't have that fire under your belly. Right. And I think in some senses, this is probably, you know, been the one thing I've learned is that in my life, like, I'm the guy who still has to tell himself, you know, like, hey, it's still allowed. Right. You can still go out there and you can find your own life's meaning and it's not going to be easy, but you'll be happier. And I honestly would say that, like, I'm finally in, I'm finally getting a place where I'm understanding what happiness really is. Right. And I would tell these young kids, like, you're 20 years old. If you're starting a band to impress some girl, right, not, you're not gonna, gonna work. You're not gonna. It's not gonna work, and you're right. not gonna be happy, right? Because I, then I, she, she's not gonna like you anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, like, like Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> is the most successful comedian of all time, and and people ask him like, how do you stay? How do you stay? Go-? Like he just seems so genuine. He's got a billion mm. dollars, right? Like, how do yeah. you do this? Why do you keep doing stand up? And his answer is, I fell in love with the work. I just made it about what I was doing, my art, my craft. That yeah. was, he's like, that's what I focused on. I didn't focus on the money or I didn't do it for these other reasons. That was just, yeah. that, that came, that external fame and, and prosperity came out of an internal love for doing what he was doing. And I think that's, hmm. that's the key here is like, if you want success, you better believe that it looks like you doing what you love. Well, and not earning something external. And I'm asking these questions right now, like, do I love having intimate conversations with people? Sure. I know, because for me, it's like, what what do I really love about this podcast? Is this podcast going to be successful? Are more people going to come on and listen to this stuff? And why do I worry about that? Why does it matter? You know what I mean? If I enjoy having conversations with you about stuff that I think matters, that I'm having with people regardless, every day on my phone, walking right. around calling people, then it doesn't matter if it's successful right. in other people's eyes because it's making me happier, Sure, right? It's what I like to do. And I think sometimes we sit there and go, 
well, how do we make this more successful? How do we get more listeners? How do we get more people tuning in, right? Right. Well, in the off chance that <clears throat> that a musician uh, clicked on this to hear some tips to be successful in the music industry, I think we have some inside knowledge on, on that. So I'm just going to make a rundown. <clears throat> this is what it takes to make it in the music industry. You have to quit everything else you're doing. Now, that means if you're going to school and you're committed to something else, you have to drop out. Or if you've graduated, then you have to work a restaurant job so you can practice every day. That's just, you have to have this blind, stubborn, 100%, all or nothing commitment to it. No success overnight is overnight. It has to happen from a place of commitment. Two, it's not about who you know. It's not about who you know. Nobody can help you but you. So don't try to get signed. It's not like if if you get signed, something good will happen because it's about the music. If you are focused on what you're doing, like we talked about Jerry Seinfeld, falling in love with the work, with the craft, and you make it good, and you are not, you don't have hubris, and you don't, you have humility, and you want to refine and make it better and better and better, then that's what's gonna. Obviously, got to hustle on every level, but that's the core thing that you need to focus on, not external, who you know or what label can pick you up, or who can help you. Make your mm. music better. That's all you got to worry about. And then don't believe the hype. People are going to tell you, your mom is going to tell you that you are great. But don't believe her. Always, always strive to be better. And a big one, and this is it, don't feed the trolls. <laughs> 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 your haters, your haters, people will always hate you. If you step out and you be, you be vulnerable... And you yeah. put yourself out there, people are going to criticize you and say some things about your art and your craft and, and, and about your identity, essentially, that are going to be very, very hurtful. You cannot let yeah. that stop you. You have to continue to create. And we've all felt like fools or inadequate or, you know. Don't read the press. Don't, yeah, don't read. If you're going to read the good stuff, read don't the bad read the stuff comments. too. Take it all. Take it all in stride. Don't feed the trolls. So I hope these are helpful. There's plenty of articles online. We'll put a a few in our show notes. Um, If you are interested in pursuing a career in music, I don't recommend it at all. Um, I tell everybody who asks me what my chances are, I tell them zero. I tell them, go get a real job, go get a real career. And then if if they ignore what I'm saying and they do it anyways, then they've achieved the first, the first step, which is, blind determination <laughs> and then you're on your way so uh that's kind of my my two cents on the matter um <clears throat> john Ma- i got Don't jo- do it i got john mayer uh quote to back me up on this he says anyone who tells you to have a fallback plan are people who had a fallback plan didn't follow their dreams and don't want you to either so just think the skeptics the scarcity minded people they are people who followed that in their own life and oftentimes feel like they haven't measured up and why should you get the chance to follow your dreams? Don't feed the trolls. You know, it's funny. I, I hear what you're saying and I think that's a great thing to tell people. If, you, if they come to you and say, you want to do music, you say, don't do it. Don't do it. Because it reminds me of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where he sets up this like ultimate situation where he's saying, look, you can totally sell out. An old Slugworth comes around and says, look, you can sell out, right? (laughs) And he's just looking for the one guy that says, I can sell out, but I'm not going to anyways. Right. 
And the and he and he hands him back, you know, the everlasting gobstopper, and walks out and says, "You won, you win." <laughs> like, like you set up the situ- the situation where like like it's going to fail, right? Yeah. But every once in a while, some kid says, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna play music." And that kid really wants to do it. And that's the secret. When everyone mm. tells you no, you believe in yourself and you do it anyways. So that's why and I tell everyone no. The ones who aren't really committed will take my word to heart. The ones who are committed will say, that guy's full of it. I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> and that's what I did. You know, that's what we, but it, we all did that. And on a broader level, because not everyone listening to this is musicians, but a lot of creative people are out there and a lot of people are putting their heart out there and trying right. to write or they're trying to create some product or they're trying to put a blog together or they're trying to take photos or they're trying to do something creative. And I think, the the tendency is well this isn't successful so i'm not going to keep doing this right i think if you give up on it, it's like well that's not really what made you happy yeah that's really not what made you happy but i think if i would go back to that young 20 year old kid who started sherwood i'd say look nate you got to find something in this that makes you happy right because you're going to go through this whole thing and you're going to you're going to be miserable the whole damn time <laughs> and, and a lot of times i was miserable because i didn't i didn't step back and go who am I in this, and and what are we getting to? What are we getting to do right what now? What what do I know? really want? Yeah. Well, I think this has been a great episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening along. We um we yeah we relish your uh, feedback and your comments. So please email us at don't email the trolls at gmail.com or head on over to trollspodcast.com. Also, we have a Patreon. I think my mom is still the only patron or supporter of our podcast which is of course a free podcast we try to put it on and we hope it helps you and is uh, inspirational or at least thought-provoking in some regard in your life so please give us your feedback um we are at trolls pod on twitter and at trolls podcast on instagram and we also have a facebook so please uh connect with us and and send us your comments and and as always don't feed the trolls that's right is no life I know to compare with your imagination living there you'll be free 